Hello and welcome to Seen Anything Good Lately. I'm Jason Solomons, your host for another edition of the podcast that asks the pros what they watch, giving you reviews and recommendations galore. We watched Hunters, you know, the Nazi Hunters, really good. You know, I've been watching Jack Becker films, which I, I love the fact that every film is so different. And on this somewhat festive edition, we can feel the season creeping in, as my guests are the voice of Christmas herself, Catherine Jenkins, who's got a Christmas film out and a new album out, and the director Julian Temple, who's made a film about the man behind the most popular Christmas song ever, Fairy Tale of New York's Shane McGowan. Two very different faces of Christmas then, the Welsh beauty and the Irish pogue. And keep listening, because I'm also giving away a Christmas gift from me to you and from Universal Home Entertainment. You can win the super cheesy Last Christmas rom-com, written by Emma Thompson, directed by Bridesmaids Paul Feig, uh, and featuring all those George Michael songs. So, if you want to win that, courtesy of Universal Pictures Home Entertainment, stay tuned, because that's coming up after I tell you if I've seen anything good lately. Netflix is going to be very popular this Christmas. I'm no genius in the media sphere, but Netflix is going to be very popular this Christmas. Three huge new films have dropped on the streaming service. There's Mank by David Fincher, starring Gary Oldman. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom with Viola Davis and the late Chadwick Boseman. And The Prom, a musical uh, directed by Ryan Murphy, starring Meryl Streep, James Corden and Nicole Kidman. I'm going to have a look at all three of those throughout the show today. But I'll start with David Fincher's film Mank, because many people are tipping this one for awards. and have been for a while now, although now it's actually released. <laughs> There's quite a lot of naysayers seem to have come out of the woodwork. Look, it's undeniably marvellous to look at. I've only seen it, admittedly, on my new big Black Friday deal telly, so I can't appreciate fully the tonal depths of Eric Messerschmidt's monochrome photography. But it does look great, and the film's about Herman Mankiewicz, the real-life Hollywood screenwriter who won his only Oscar for writing Citizen Kane for and with Orson Welles. And this is the story behind that story. So it's a sort of making of the greatest film ever made movie with the alcoholic, chain-smoking, invalid Mank, played by Gary Oldman, holed up in a desert house so he can complete the screenplay for Wells with no distractions, apart from his English nurse, played by Lily Collins. I need a favour, but you're going to have to promise you won't laugh. Given the state of the world, a tall order. You're gonna. I just know you are. I have got such a hangover right now, there's just a fighting chance I won't. I'm being burned at the stake, and I am dying for a ciggy-boo. <laughs> There, God's punishing you. Now, most of it is done in flashback with obvious nods to uh, Wells's style on Citizen Kane, of course. And it's all about old Hollywood. And there's a 1932 gubernatorial election. And there's a media magnate, William Randolph Hearst, played by Charles Dance, being very Charles Dancey. Uh, and he's got his starlet wife, Marion Davis, played by Amanda Seyfried. Critics, and by that I mean, you know, people, the, the, the film critics whose job it is to love stuff. They love this because it, it name-checks David O. Selznick and Louis B. Meyer and Irving Thalberg, and it takes place on Hollywood lots and writers' rooms, and it references people like Upton Sinclair. And it looks great, 
But to be honest, it's a slog. Even if you do know the references, and I do know the references, thank you very much. I can't deny that some of the scenes are terrific set pieces. There's one in Randolph Hearst's garden with the sort of zoo and the menagerie in the background. It looks amazing, but it distracts you from the very dull dialogue that's going on in front of it. And these scenes drift on and on, and so much depends on us finding Gary Oldman's mank, a raffish charm, or a sort of wit, or a guy full of wisdom. And I just didn't. I didn't see what was interesting about this character. It's a very hammy performance from Oldman, who's very capable of ham, isn't he? Thank you very much. The script was all over the place, and there's a coldness to the execution of it. Fincher is very capable of coldness. There's a chill to Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, Gone Girl, things like that. And it's here again, nothing to warm the heart or lift the soul. I found it very clinical. And frankly, that dark heart of classic Hollywood stuff is old hat. So like Oldman's mank himself... I found it a bit of a bore. Now, to brighter things, and to Catherine Jenkins, the gorgeous Welsh opera singer who's now released a new Christmas album and a film called Catherine Jenkins's Christmas Spectacular, shot at the Royal Albert Hall, and it's all about what goes on there in, the, in, this, in this sort of film, concert film. It's in cinemas now, if you fancy it, and it stars Bill Nighy and Vanessa Redgrave, and it's got loads of songs and dances and carols and sketches. It'll be on ITV on Christmas Eve too. It's out on DVD. Uh, it is Catherine Jenkins and a Christmas spectacular. Sounds a bit like this. Well, I hope you're feeling truly festive now. Good. So it's a bit unusual for me to do a singer like Catherine Jenkins, but uh, because of the Christmas DVD, I thought I'd have a look at what she did. And it's rather fantastic how she's thrown herself and become a real doyen of Christmas. Uh, I caught up with her uh, and we found out about how she made the show, what Christmas means for her. And of course, if she's seen anything good lately. So when did you record this, this, I'm going to call it a film, a cinematic experience? We filmed it in October, but actually have been sort of coming up with the concept since the end of the summer when they first started talking about the potential of Christmas being cancelled. And I love Christmas, so this was not what I wanted to hear. But talking about the potential of like Christmas concerts and carol services not going ahead. And I just thought, gosh, this is just not what we need. Like We need Christmas. I need to find a way to take it to people because, you know, we need to spread some Christmas cheer and festive fun and joy at the end of a really tough year. It's really difficult, isn't it? Because you know, lots of people who work in magazines, etc. They do their Christmas three months before Christmas happens. They do the Christmas shoot and everything. So there you were thinking that Christmas might be cancelled, yet having to summon up all the Christmas joy and kind of create all of that in an empty, massive Royal <laughs> Albert Hall. Not easy to do, not easy to project all of that good tidings. Well, actually, what was amazing was I knew I wanted to include, you know, friends and it. I did. I wanted it to just be as much of the Christmas spirit as we could kind of gather together in these times. So when I reached out to friends and said you know this is what we're trying to do everybody got the sentiment straight away and thankfully wanted to be involved so I think all in all we had something like 200 artists within the Royal Albert Hall which is really really hard in 2020 because of all of the restrictions but somehow we managed to pull it off safely you know obviously I think of the Royal Albert Hall 
Airport at its best when it's full of people. But because that wasn't possible this year, they did give us amazing access. So we were able to film in parts of the hall never seen before. I mean, I've sang there 50 times. I didn't know there was a roof terrace. And so we were able to sing, like perform on the roof, in the basement, in the boxes, backstage, in the corridors. If you love the Royal Albert Hall, this is a magical mystery tour for you. I, yeah. it's, it's a venue I absolutely love. And to see it, it, just, it looks fabulous in your in your film. It, you know, you, you are everywhere in it. Was it was it sort of quite fun? It felt like you might have been sort of let in there, you know, after dark and you've snuck in there and you're yeah. running around like children, <laughs> popping up in the boxes. Well, that was the idea, really. It was sort of like uh, taking the idea of like a night at the museum, but it's a night at the, it's Christmas Eve at the Royal Albert Hall and in some fantasy world, me and my family live there. And, you know, it's sort of all of the magic of Christmas kind of happens there and in and around the hall. And so, you know, it was a way of wanting to use all of the most loved Christmas music from the traditional carols to the contemporary songs to use dance again I haven't danced for a long time since my Dancing with the Stars day so it was amazing to be able to dust off my dance shoes and get back to that and doesn't look like you've lost it Catherine from what I can see still (laughs) fairly twinkly oh I loved it it was so lovely such a lovely way to express yourself you said that you love Christmas what is it about Christmas and what are your favourite Christmas memories and it was just so much fun but I think for me Christmas is obviously like most people it's all about family Um, it's about you know children and starting traditions with them and so it kind of felt natural that our Christmas spectacular you know it's it you know it's it's trying to be my family bringing some joy to families out there so it would be natural that the the children would also be involved running around causing mayhem at the Royal Albert Hall. So this Christmas you'll be uh, obviously sitting down to watch your own Christmas spectacular what, what 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 did you used to watch at Christmas? What what reminds you of Christmas in terms of telly and films? Well, uh, I mean, I love things like Nativity and Love Actually. I did the Doctor Who Christmas special one year, so um, I'm just waiting for my kids to be old enough to be able to show them that. Um, you know, things like Carols from Kings, all of those things make me feel really, really Christmassy. But you know, this year, who knows? I think it's going to be a very, very different Christmas, but I think we'll all be kind of looking for those touchstones that make us feel nostalgic and traditional and, and give us a bit of a, of a Christmas warmth. It's comfort and joy, isn't it? I think yeah. really that's what you'll be looking at. What, what are you watching? Have you seen anything good lately, Catherine Jenkins? Well, I think what's been interesting is, you know, uh, my so my husband's very into film. Um, you know, he's a director and a producer, so he's normally much more the film buff. Um, I've kind of roped him into, you know, TV series this second lockdown. So what have we been watching? Obviously, The Crown. Uh, I've, I'm I'm watching that now for the second time. I'm surprised you're not. In, there's an episode somewhere where you'll be in that. Do you know what I mean? You'll be watching it. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so you. excited. <laughs> I think I'd be so excited if I could be in the crowd. (laughs) We are watching, uh, well, uh, Succession. Mm. I'm a bit late late in the game to that. No, it's never too late. As also, you know, because you, what's great about succession is that they aren't making more yet I mean hopefully yes. they will so it's, yeah. this is a perfect time to catch it up yeah I'm watching The Undoing we watched Hunters you know the Nazi Hunter oh program. I haven't watched that one yeah oh it's really good and then I just watched um, Watchmen oh yes you're into that oh, are you yeah, that's, yeah. I did, not again, my usual thing no but me neither good is it but I thought it was shot in a really interesting way. And so, yeah. So um, do you have any any recommendations? Well, no, I mean, you're doing the undoing. I mean, I, I thought you'd be a Queen's Gambit sort of person. I, I'm on I'm on the first episode, so I can't give any any recommendations on that yet. No, not quite yet. But you're, <laughs> aren't you in a film? Aren't you just about to make your debut in a film? I haven't seen uh, it yes. yet. Yes, yes. Um, well, I just... 
a year ago, we made uh, Minamata, directed by my husband. And it's a true story about a fishing village in Japan that was being poisoned by methylmercury. Um, and for decades, you know, had children born with various birth defects. And, you know, it's an amazing story about standing up for what's right and the little guy and press freedom and that kind of stuff so that's with uh, Johnny Depp and Bill Nye and Bill Nye you know since then became a dear friend which is how I roped him into being in the Christmas Spectacular with um, Vanessa Redgrave and Sir Bryn Turville and all the friends but um yeah so that's how I met Bill and he's just I mean, I'm, I'm, it, it's not a secret. My husband knows I've got a massive crush. He's such a lovely gentleman. Yeah, I think you're allowed Bill Nighy as your sort of celebrity crush, aren't you? Yeah. I think it's fine. It's that voice. It's that calmness. <laughs> so, yes, because Minamata, I mean, I haven't seen it again, but again, lots of people speaking very highly of it. Is that uh-huh. a straight acting role or are you yeah, bursting into song is. halfway through? No, no, it's a straight acting role. Playing, um, playing a journalist um, who works for Bill. And uh, I've done acting before, but never sort of straight acting like this. And I did have to be talked into it because I, I, I'm always sort of doubting my own, my own capabilities. And eventually my husband t- talked me into doing it. And I'm so happy that I did. It, it's obviously a very different experience to music these things take so much longer um you know before anybody can even see it but it's supposed to be out in the spring of next year and then also there's a welsh film coming out called dream horse which i'm which i'm also in um so yeah with damien um, lewis and tony yeah. Collette. yes yeah, have you seen it no i haven't seen that it was, that oh, was i was supposed to see that film. i think i was supposed to do an interview with them just for the just as the virus hit so they postponed the film but i was very yeah. aware of the story and what a fantastic story i think there's a documentary that it's based on that uh... yeah it's another true story but with it being Welsh and it's really heartwarming and a really lovely film so that's that's quite exciting too what's the first film you ever saw Catherine Jenkins do you remember first film I ever saw probably The Sound of Music um, my mum always used to entertain us with, you know, like if we were off school, you know, unwell or on a rainy day, she'd put on the old fashioned sort of musical films. And, and that's really where I, where I fell in love with um, Doris Day and Judy Garland. And oh, I love all of that. Um, and so it probably was The Sound of Music. But I don't know. I, I think that I have definitely opened my mind to, to film. I think it would have to be either a musical or a character that, you know, really inspired me. But I think you so far I've been having a really wonderful time of experiencing this world you know with the Christmas Spectacular I've never created and written and produced something um, but I think just trying to as I said trying to be creative in 2020 and think of new ways of doing stuff you know has has been positive as well and I've enjoyed the challenge of that. That's the it's creating a world isn't it I, I, I suppose so if there was a you know a musical that that really, you know, you said like Sound of Music, it would have changed your life. Was there one that you saw and you thought, I've got to play that role. I want to be Sandy in Greece or I want to be in West Side Story. Uh, I mean, no, no, I think, I I don't think there was one. I think think it was a collection of people from Judy Garland in Wizard of Oz to um, Calamity Jane. (laughs) You'd be a great Calam. You'd be a fantastic Calam. (laughs) Through to, you know, I mean, all the big voices, really, from Whitney to Shirley. And I think it was just, I knew that they weren't doing the kind of music that I wanted to do, but it was just a respect for these incredible voices. And then I loved all the magic, all that sort of the the magical side of these musical films. 
I don't blame you. They are transportive. And, and the way that you can sort of act and then burst into song and tell a story through song is that kind of little, you know, you've got to do both things well, you know, and dancing yeah. as well. So you, you've got to be a triple threat in all of these <laughs> things, uh, which I, is, I'm glad to see that you're developing. Mean, oh, meanwhile, you. I tell you what, what I am hooked on. I'm watching uh, MasterChef, The Professionals. I, I'm, oh, I'm hooked on MasterChef. I never used to watch the. I, I used to like the the you know the normal MasterChef where just yeah. you know members of the public would turn up and suddenly be great cooks. Uh, but the professionals one is really you know you've really got to know your stuff. You've got to know okay. how to how to make stock and you know how to cut things in a certain way and be in the Julien. So that's what I'm hooked on at the moment. I don't know if you're a cook in any way. I actually really love cooking. So and my husband. So we we tend to be a, we tend to tend to tag team it. So actually. Right, I'll suggest that and see if we can get into that one. <laughs> yeah, I know, and you're like, oh my God, we got to, and then you off, you want to go and make it. And every time you get, now you get yeah. in the kitchen, you think you're a cute professional. And of course, it's never quite the same as that, but you do get a few hit, few tips and hints, I have to say. And do you not get hungry watching it? Though? Yes, very. That's why I, have to, I, I watch it. It's a very carefully positioned after dinner. So I think. Yeah, okay, good. Know, unless you're very continental and you're sort of eating at nine o'clock. <laughs> but you've got young children, so that's, uh, you know. No, it doesn't happen. At least you get them to bed, you know, that's. The, that's the one thing i mean the, the thing with family viewing is that at least are, are yours old enough to sort of sit down and do a family film together um no, well two and five no so not... we're still on the no not i mean i'm so excited to be able to share some of these films with them you know so, uh, you know things like you know like the sound of music or i mean they just they actually watch things like um uh mary poppins and, and that kind of stuff so they so they, they they'll sit through a film but um you know we've still got all of the amazing things to show them. <laughs> no, which is very exciting as well. And it changes, you know, you, you think there's an old classic that you want to show them and they kind of go, no, it's not really very good. And you think, oh, maybe it wasn't, maybe it's just a memory. So sometimes memories play little tricks on us and we think things yeah. are better than they were and all, all, all yeah. of these things. But yeah, you have to take your time very preciously that when, you, when you've got young children as well, you've got to get, get them to bed and then watch the thing that you really need to watch uh, together. So if you want to, you know, there are some, there are some good movies coming out, you know, they're streaming now, which is really handy for you. Because I guess you don't get to go to the cinema uh, very much anymore. No, we, I mean, we love going to the cinema, actually. Um, we like the experience of actually going. So no, we haven't done it very much this year neither do I and it's my job so <laughs> <laughs> no but uh I mean I do but I do love the experience of actually going um and I think it, I think when they go to the cinema it feels like in a like an event for them and they actually sort of really get into it but yeah and thankfully with all the streaming stuff you know you can basically get anything you want for them and we've just got Disney plus so they're like they're loving that yeah and no well there are some there are some really good things on that I I saw Hamilton on Disney Plus. Me too. <laughs> it's brilliant on Disney Plus. Oh, I love Hamilton. I really, really love that. And I was so happy. I think it's basically what made me want to get that, yes, that channel. <laughs> me too. I said, Let's, we've got to see we've got to see Hamilton. And I thought it would look good because sometimes those stage adaptations don't look great. But I thought it was beautifully adapted. Got yeah. every every lyric, every nuance, every facial expression. I thought they were all brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And I remember going to see that live. My husband and I went to see it in, in New York. And it just having such a massive effect on us that we walked sort of two blocks out of the theater and we were just speechless. It was just like, wow, I can't believe that. That is just so genius. So it's great that, especially in a year where we haven't been able to go out and see, you know, live theater, that you've been able to watch it in that way. 
yeah, I've been. Uh, I, I might watch it again over Christmas. Actually, I think yeah, that's me too. A, that's a <laughs> and I can also recommend. I can also recommend Lovers Rock, which is on iPlayer now. The Steve McQueen okay. film uh, about the black uh, black community from the sixties and seventies here in London, and they go to this party. It was one night. It's just a fantastic because we can't go to parties at the moment, so you might as well go to this see this film because it is like going out to the oh. best party ever. <laughs> Amazing. I will definitely watch that. And Thank I'm sure you. your husband would appreciate the, the, the film work and the cinematography <laughs> as will yeah. you. Catherine, it's been beautiful speaking to you. And I can't believe you're now in cinemas yourself with your with your Christmas spectacular. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's it's so exciting to, you know, think that people will be able to get the full sort of theatrical, theatrical experience throughout December. But, you know, as I said, the, the whole message of the film is to just try and, you know, get that Christmas joy out there. So there's multi, if you, if you can't get to the cinema, um, if you're shielding at home, then obviously it's going to be available on DVD and on digital platforms and everything because it really is the ca- the same kind of message as the concerts. It was inspired by that. It's like, you know, you may be at home feeling physically separated from your loved ones, but you're not alone. You're, you know, th- th- there's Christmas spirit coming your way. What's your favourite little Christmas song? I know you mentioned that Brazilian one, that gorgeous one. There are so many, but, you know, if you had to... So if, many. You, if you had to pick one... Like your favourite Christmas song. It doesn't have to be a carol. It could be anything. What 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 do you go for? Well, it's it's one of two. So either Oh Holy Night or or Silent Night, which is you know in the film is 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 dedicated to all of the amazing frontliners, uh, you know, who are keeping us safe and may they have a silent night this year. Yeah, is that your favourite to sing? I mean, it's just a beautiful. There are some oh, notes. It's so in emotional, it. yes. I think. And as I get older, I appreciate the sentiment of it more and more because I always used to sing it and dedicate it to our forces having spent a few Christmases out with them in Iraq and Afghanistan but I think in this particular year when you realize that you know in the various formats where people are putting themselves on the line yeah you just want to wish everybody peace really and I think that song perfectly sums it up it does are you going to sneak into a cinema near you and watch your own watch your own film at the back sit there well, we were going to have a premiere, but obviously we can't have a premiere now. So um, I think what I'm going to do is take all of my friends and their children to our local cinema. I can take them so they can still see it because I, I couldn't take them to the premiere. So yes, we'll probably be in a cinema near <laughs> this week. There'll all be these people you'll be filing in and there'll be some people just there, they're normal people, a couple of old ladies sitting there going, oh, I love this. And then you'll be in the back making all this noise. They'll, go, They'll turn around and tell you to shh. <laughs> Yeah, or, I'll be, or you'll find me hang, handing out the popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or belting out some of the numbers. Everybody goes, quiet, please. We're trying to listen to Catherine Jenkins. Don't need you joining in. <laughs> I've had that before, you know. I've had people... I met a lady uh, on the on the beach outside one of my concerts in Shandidno. And she told me she was off to see the Catherine Jenkins concert. And had I, had I heard of her... <laughs> <laughs> So I wouldn't be surprised if that happens to me in the cinema. Is she any good? Is she as good as Charlotte Church? Because we saw her last year. She was great and she's got a lot to live up to. <laughs> Listen, it is lovely to see you and lovely to hear you uh, and, and actually, you know, given given the gift of peace, as you say, in your beautiful new film. Congratulations on that. Aww. And thanks so much for joining us today. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. It's lovely to see you and a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Thanks, Catherine. baby just slip a sable under the tree for me 
Been an awful good girl, Santa baby. So hurry down the chimney tonight. And so to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It's a very noble enterprise by Netflix, this. It's a classic of the African-American canon in August Wilson's play that's been respectfully and faithfully put on the big screen forever now and garlanded by some definitive performances, I'd say. Viola Davis takes centre stage as Ma Rainey, the real-life blues singer who's in Chicago in 1927 as we join the action, recording an album with her band. Now, Chadwick Boseman plays her new young trumpeter, Levy, who has his own ideas about how he wants to play the blues. Ma wants it her way or no way. And like her trusty band leader, Cutler, says before every take, one, two, you know what to do. This would be an empty world without the blues. I try to take that emptiness and fill it up with something. They want to call me Mother Blues, that's all right with me. It don't hurt none. <laughs> yeah, Bozeman is great to watch. It's his final screen performance, and he's all bared teeth and bruised soul and shiny yellow shoes. It's a really live wire act from him. Uh, and it may well be the definitive reading of this great part for black actors. Davis is a heavyweight Ma Rainey. She's all sweaty and diva-like. She's flaunting her fame and her sexuality and taking on the avaricious record producers who were probably looking to exploit another black act for their own gain. That's a big theme of this uh, film or this play. Look, I can't deny there's a theatricality to it. Of course there is. Much of it takes place in two rooms, the rehearsal room downstairs and the, the recording room upstairs. But that's the point. The point of this is clearly to put Wilson's great play up there for all to see. And they've made a must-see job of it, if you ask me. A classic play that very much needed committing to film. This version is beautifully done. It's conducted with style and graced with note-perfect performances. And there's an original score written and performed by Branford Marsalis to go with this, uh, which adds a lot of class and style to the whole proceedings. So here is a snippet of L Train from Branford Marsalis and his score to Marraine's Black Bottom. Now, to my Christmas gift, you can win a copy of Last Christmas, the ridiculously sweet rom-com starring Henry Golding and Amelia Clark and Emma Thompson, who co-wrote it. It's directed by Paul Feig, who uh, did Bridesmaids, and it comes courtesy of Universal Pictures Home Entertainment. We've got a lot of box sets out for Christmas, including The Grinch uh, and including The Illuminations Grinch, and they've got a couple of Mr Beans as well, so they definitely dip into their festive selection. Uh, but they've offered me up last Christmas. It's a very Christmassy movie, after all. In fact, outrageously so. And very enjoyable because of it. You know, I like my Christmas movies to be like this. It doesn't pretend to be anything else. Lots of snowy London locations. And the music's great because it's all by George Michael. Some of my favourite songs are in this movie. So, to win it and own it, 
Just tell me, what did George Michael and Andrew Ridgely as Wham famously put down their shorts during their concerts? Now calm down and email me, saggle at jasonsolomons.com and you can win last Christmas courtesy of me and Universal Pictures Home Entertainment. With his rotten-looking mouth, his pallid grey skin and slurred speech, Shane McGowan is the alternative face of Christmas, you might say. The Pogue singer is now widely acknowledged to have written and sung the most popular yet most controversial Christmas song of them all. No, it's not All I Want For Christmas Is My Two Front Teeth, though he might well have wished for that, but his pugnacious duet with Kirsty McColl is what I'm talking about, Fairy Tale of New York, in which the characters of two Irish actors and former lovers wassail late on Christmas Eve and wallow in broken dreams and recriminations, but feel the romance of Christmas bursting out all around them, and then they get arrested. It's been in the UK top 20 17 times since its first release in 1987, and I suppose it's customary too, Uh, for the song to reappear every year, but it's also about the song's lyrics being banned by the BBC, or re-edited at least, on that regular basis. Well, timely then to be bringing out a documentary about the man behind the song, a film called Crock of Gold, A Few Rounds with Shane McGowan. It's a film in which Shane admits that he hates Fairy Tale of New York and wishes he'd never written it. The film by director Julian Temple fails to mention back to him that without that song, uh, Shane, you'd kind of be around 20 million quid worse off. So, you know, Julian Temple himself has made many films about difficult music subjects from the Sex Pistols in The Great Rock and Roll Swindle and The Filth and the Fury to Ray Davis of The Kinks to Joe Strummer of The Clash to Glastonbury itself to Ibiza's Rave History uh, and Oil City Confidential about Canvey Island's Dr. Feelgood. There's many, many more besides that Julian's made, including one of my favourite London movies of all time, London, The Modern Babylon. Delightful to have Julian as a guest on Seen Anything Good lately. So before we started asking what he's been watching, I asked him why he was drawn to the toothless Shane McGowan to make Crock of Gold. Certainly the film, you know, is about the two, you know, the kind of dichotomy of Shane growing up in London, but being deeply in love with the world he was one of the last kids to see in in that disappearing island of 18th century island no water mm. no no electricity no cars just horses donkeys four years later his sister came along there was electricity there was television but he had he had uh, he had a moment of a of a kind of lost world that was so different from being a first generation irish kids getting kicked around in in london you know and and jokes being made at their expense and so on so you know that, that's at the heart of the film that's really where, what, 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 the, what the tussle is isn't it to me to me in, in there how long did it take you to, to sort of double down and find out where the sort of dramatic tension was because I mean once you're going to do a film about Shane Gowan you're going to well you kind of got an easy ride in some ways because he's so colourful and extraordinary and uh, strange looking and you know bound up with the, the areas that you know from punk onwards 
But you yeah. know what? What's the essential? What's the essential sort of you know drama with Shane McGowan? Well, rolling with the punches, you know, taking the abuse and not walking off is is a you know skill you you learn <laughs> pretty quickly. But um, you know, I I I I I see these films not really music films that they're looking at the the world and the time that the person who made the music comes from the audience who made it popular you know their social explorations as well as music oriented films how did you get close to him how did you how did he agree to even have you hanging about him well he wasn't that happy about it um (laughs) having asked me to do it um it was i'm not doing any fucking interviews (laughs) okay fine so we had to do that thing of having him in conversation talking with other people and hoping you know you get a few droplets that you could use to tell his story the first one was johnny depp who was producing the film with us and they're really old friends so that that was great but it was you know eight hours of filming and we probably got three minutes that were relevant to shane's story because shane willfully would spend hours talking about jerry lee lewis or chris christopherson or harold and maud they had a endless argument isn't, about isn't that, that stuff isn't that, really... isn't that stuff quite interesting though or is that for the dvd extras it's all interesting we do make little di- diversions and uh, we lose the sense of forward narrative at times but um i think you've got to it's got to be relevant to, to yeah. enlightening people about shane the, yeah. the, the 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 sort of journey of the film all the way through and you know it doesn't stop you know you think you're you're, you're doing this film and i know you you released it a while ago and it was coming out and then suddenly there's the fairy tale of new york controversy again you know should they should they play it in which format should they play it and it's almost like oh what, what on what station will they play which version yeah it's kind of bad actually but yeah I mean, that's a difficult one. I, you know, I hate censoring things. I wouldn't censor Shakespeare if it was offensive, particularly. But um, I do also feel that we've, you know, come to understand that we shouldn't, um, really shouldn't be insulting people's sexuality. They don't don't deserve that. So, you know, it's a difficult balance, isn't it? I I wouldn't want to be the BBC because a public broadcaster, you know, has responsibilities that the filmmaker making a film about a guy's journey through time where you ask people to pay and go and see the film and they have a choice it's a different thing than stumbling across it i wondered if you've been yeah, there's so much dense archive in your in your film julian you know i'm trying to spot some of the bronco bullfrog i think makes a little uh, little appearance yeah. in there which yeah. i love to see in uh, the james mason uh film odd man yeah. out that's it that's yeah, it. Yeah. Um, i mean there must be thousands of, have you seen anything good lately were you watching stuff for specifically for your, for your film or did you did you get sidetracked it would be very easy to kind of go oh i must must watch that carol reed film now the whole thing no i did watch it oh i love that film um yeah i mean that's one of the great joys of making films like this you 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 going to university really you're educating yourself in stuff you you don't know enough about and learning as much as you can that process of learning is a big big uh, incentive to to do it you know um i've been really enjoying the steve mcqueen film but i think it is fantastic to see a black uh, filmmaker make films about that community mm. that had such an impact on london at that time made it such a better place you, yeah, you, when, you sort of scratched on it in absolute beginners i suppose as well yeah it was about yeah that was based around the race riots in notting hill in 58 yeah so yeah I'm, i've been really impressed with that i i just like getting lost you know i've been watching jack becker films um Oh yeah, which I I love the fact that every every film is so different. You wouldn't really know it was the same. You know, it's by a kind of master auteur, but each one is so different. I, I quite like that. You know, it's not like a Scorsese film where it's kind of got the same tropes, the same 
It's so different. Um, so Jacques Becker was this is we're talking sort of twenties, thirties, forties, the patrician French cinema, classic stuff. Well, kind of just before the new wave, but yeah, but I would say forties and fifties. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, yeah, that was when he made his great films. But they had a big influence on people like Godard and Truffaut. Some of his films. Well, they didn't have a big influence in the fact that they were slightly rebelling against the the cinema du papa, like sort of granddad cinema. In, in, yeah, in... I mean, he used non-actors. You know, there's a great film Le Trou, which is about the escape from prison. Um, you know, it's a, it's a you know kind of tense thriller really but um mm-hmm. you know he used real bank robbers who had broken out of jail so there's incredible realism psychologically to the to the whole process so but know, he's, you, yeah, that's a big that's a big true in my french film knowledge i have to tell you because i haven't seen i don't think i've seen i haven't seen le true where, where, where else do you go with jacques becker Touché pas au Grisby. Oh, that's him. Touché pas au Grisby. Oh, I like that one. Yeah, I've seen Don that Gabin. one. <clears throat> yeah. Casque d'or. Oh, is Casque d'or, yes. Simon Signoret. Uh, those, those are the kind of real standout ones. So how comes you've you, you been sort of immersing in those? You just, you've just discovered a box set and thought, oh, I better get in there. <laughs> yeah, I just was thinking about him. I uh, don't know, really. can't remember, actually. But <laughs> one leads to another, you know, and they're yeah. all really good. Great recommendations, actually. I quite fancy yeah. Casper. Yeah, you'll love Le Trou. Watch Le Trou. Mm. It's great. Yeah, that's that. I'm definitely that's. I'm, gonna, I'm writing it down now. Le Trou. <laughs> so you've been re- watching. I mean, during lockdown, you've been watching. What do you watch series at all, Julian? Do you watch telly? Uh, I'll give it a go. Yeah, I tried that French agent one, which got a bit boring after a while. The <clears> the deep Yeah. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's it's fun, but it's it's just not it's kind of totally enveloping as some of them no uh, I, I do like it i think it's an interesting new form really to to be explored there's a lot of um music ones coming you know um they're doing one about the stones i believe but yeah. in the music documentaries style or the music or you no, mean no, the... The tv drama series <clears throat> so the people are playing what the young mick and the young keith and all of that that's what i've heard yeah the people behind the crown are supposed to do it. which is funny because the stones used to call mick brenda you know <laughs> uh, which was the private eye behind his back, of course. Uh, you know, I prefer all you know movies, really. Uh, and I, you know, it's it's really sad what's happening to people going to the cinema. I don't know whether it's ever really going to recover for the kind of films I like. You know, I'm, I'm sure the, the big um, roller coaster ride films will will you know keep going, but um, in the cinema. But uh, I guess it makes film festivals more more important you know we yeah. we we won the grand prix jury prize with this at san sebastian which is the first time a documentary has been in competition let alone winner well yeah that was san sebastian was one was, was was i think there was venice which i managed to get to and i couldn't get to san sebastian as well simply because i would have had to quarantine for six yeah. months or something going there but uh you know for the two weeks and i and you and you won and i was like oh my god i missed the, the missed the year that you won and woody allen opened the festival as well i think so i missed yeah, the, yeah. missed all yeah. of that it was great. I mean, that's such a cinema festive celebration of movies, and I guess like Venice in a way, but there's no market and all that. No, but and you've got that wonderful theatre, that old, the old theatre in San Sebastian, which I yeah, love, yeah. that proper maybe cinema. And yeah, so they, I don't know, maybe you, maybe Julian will be all right. The, the cinema that you like, those small, you know, I, I, I don't know where your your know, favourite movie houses of old were. Some, I, I imagine somewhere like the Coronet or somewhere like the Electric when it was falling Electric, down totally, yeah with the, the fly the the fleas fizzing in front of the screen as you slumped back in the seat <laughs> and i remember the tolma with the snow falling through the roof in front of them where was the that very beautiful 
Uh, it was a weird square, Tolmer Square off uh, Camden in Camden. Um, and the cinema took up most of the square. It was very, very, very bizarre. And all the tramps of another thing that's gone all would sleep there because you could pay like sixpence for the whole day, you know. So you'd be sitting watching a film, you really your feet were on a tramp uh, underneath you because they were sleeping in, in the... And then the snow would, you know, I remember snow falling, a very beautiful silhouette of snow in, in, in front of the projector. Oh, that was, that was beautiful. Have you, they, what, did you, what were you watching there? Do you know what sort of film? Uh, well, this was in the 70s, early 70s, so it was stuff I, I think I saw... Uh, Get Carter there. Mm, amazing sure. with snow with added yeah. snow effect. I mean, I saw a bunch of films there. What was the first film you ever saw? Ooh, I didn't really see films when I was a kid, so I do remember the ones that I think El Cid. Mm. Was that before Hard Day's Night? I did see Hard Day's Night because uh, we couldn't avoid it. Basically, um, what if you were young and in London, you just couldn't avoid Hard Day's Night? Well, my parents didn't take me to the cinema. You know, we we didn't have a TV or anything, so I didn't. I didn't see nothing really um, <laughs> until I went to college where I binged on it. Um, uh, but I did see El Cid. Uh, that had a big impression on me. That's um, the Charlton Heston? Yeah, Anthony Mann, yeah. And why did that have such an impression? Because it was so big? So Well, I, it was the only one I saw. It was <laughs> Vista Vision and Sofia Loren. And, you know, it was the sweep of Moorish Spain. I loved the history of it. But the, but the first one that really... Well, I, as a result, I went to college at Cambridge and, um, you know, I had no I had no background in cinema. So I went to the Arts Theatre in Cambridge with, with some new friends, like people I'd met, to see a Goddard film. I had no idea who Goddard was. Le Mepri, it was mm. called. And, um, of course, they, they'd seen lots of art movies and loved it. Um, but I was, like, really embarrassed. I didn't understand a thing about it. You know, it's like, Jesus, I don't get it at all. It's, like, so alienating. I don't understand the language, the grammar. I understood Bridget Bardot naked across the scope screen. Yes, I thought you might get that, that bit. <laughs> that was about the only bit I got, you know. <laughs> so I had to go back about six times before I finally cracked it, and I got really excited by it. Um, it's an amazing film, Le Mépris. It's quite bitter. Yeah. Quite, quite, quite. Got a you know little kind of heart, of, heart of stone. That film, I think. Yeah, no, I think it's one of his really best films. Yeah, but the film that made me want to um, try and make films was uh, La Talente, the, um, the Vigo film. The Jean Vigo uh, on a barge with uh, Dieter Parlow, is it? Yeah, uh, and what's the guy Jean? Can't remember name. Um, yeah, and, and Michel Simon. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, the, they, the great thing about Cambridge is you could watch 75 films a week, uh, 16 mil prints, you know, so because each college had society, 25 colleges, three films a week, and you just swapped them around. So you paid for three and got to see 75. Um and um, we used to show them on the roof in the summer on wow. a sheet, you know, and, and, and where we had the, the space wasn't really big enough. So we always had to put the projector right on the edge of the parapet of the building. And during Latalons, I realized um, we were just so into it. I, I didn't realize until near the end, um, well, the end, really, that I hadn't spooled it onto the, the other reel properly. So the whole 16 mil long metrage had gone into the river can um 
and so we had to fish it out of the the water and uh i spent about two weeks with a hairdryer getting very close to the film drying every frame and trying to get it back on the spool so and, um and did it work I, it was a lot bigger on the spool than it had arrived. <laughs> it kind of warped, but I, but I don't think we had to pay for the print. I think they did. Some really did accept it back. I, so I the irony of Michel Simon being in um, Boudou Survey des Eaux uh, a bit later. Uh, or, well, or was that before? Was was it, is exactly before, what, yeah, is exactly but, what you did with him in La Well, Talente. you know, the other great thing about La Talente is they, they dive into the water yeah. to see the person they love underwater. You know, it's got the most beautiful underwater scenes um so yeah it was appropriate it was in the river Absolutely. and i got very close to it as they say you know frame by frame <laughs> analysis with this hairdryer <laughs> <laughs> so do you think that was it that you actually kind of discovered you know cutting framing filming the the, the narrative film by, I, by I doing certainly that i was looking at the composition in a different mm. way i was looking at it stills almost because i was trying to dry each frame <laughs> mm. what amazing what amazing yeah. job <laughs> yeah yeah well, Julian, yeah. it's been fascinating uh, talking to you about that, you see, about the latter yeah. lot. And you didn't know we would get to that point, but that's fantastic. Atenot I, I, is one of the most beautiful films ever made. I think you're absolutely so right. Fresh. Yeah. So fresh. Is it still? I haven't seen it for ages. Sometimes we think about these things and you, you remember them when you saw them, when you first saw them. It's all sort of wonder if you showed them again yeah. to a new generation, what they would well, think. Well, I've got a, a 4K uh, disc of it now, a French thing. <clears throat> so it's pretty amazing watching it like that on a on a nice screen you know with a good projector yeah no need to no need to rescue it from uh, from falling in the in the river this time no (laughs) lovely to to speak to you Uh, congratulations on on shane mcgowan congratulations getting getting through it in fact going the full the full 15 rounds i think you've gone with uh, with shane uh in crock of gold just before we go what the crock of gold what, what do you think that is well he says he's been searching for it all his life um obviously in celtic myth it's it's a pot of gold coins isn't it a crock mm. i mean an old crock you could say shane is an old crock um, mm. himself and he has gold inside that that ravaged exterior uh, i don't know it's what's um, it for you what's it for me um i think it's philosophical satisfaction of some kind isn't it a spiritual um philosophical sense of peace yeah. which is hard to achieve what's <laughs> it in mo- i wonder what it is in movies i don't know if it's a, having oh. made the movie showing it or is it just watching la talente again watching la talente pretty good mm. uh no, I think you've always got to think the next film is the crock of gold and, and you don't really know how to do it, get there. <clears throat> and it's always receding um, as you approach it, you know. Um, That's exactly right, I think. Yeah, perfect answer. Uh, Julian Temple, lovely to speak to you. Thanks so much for joining me and uh, see you again soon, I hope, with the yeah, next film. Cheers. Yeah, see you soon, Jason. <laughs> nice talking. You yeah, too. Take care. Bye. And Crock of Gold, A Few Rounds with Shane McGowan, is out in cinemas now and also available on DVD and digital via altitude.film. So let's finish with a big campus Christmas burst of joy, shall we? We're talking about the new Netflix musical, The Prom. Actually, it's way camper than Christmas, which is a good thing. Ryan Murphy, the indefatigable and generally invincible king of TV right now, directs an adaptation of a Broadway play that I confess I've never heard of. It did win a Tony, though. It has shades of everyone's talking about Jamie. Uh, The film of that comes out in March in cinemas, let's hope. 
But for now, this is a big American spangly thing that minces in, starring James Corden, who could be offensive, playing uh, a guy called Barry. I think he gets away with it just, but there are accusations of gay face uh, bandying around, and I completely understand that as well. Haven't seen a gay character played by a straight man this camply for a very long time. But he does have that cordon charm, and I think he gets away with it. And I think he does it with a sort of certain sweetness. But you've got Meryl Streep, who's a Broadway diva called Dee Dee. There's a chorus girl played by Nicole Kidman with her ridiculous antelope legs. And, oh, look, they hear about this lesbian high school girl called Emma, who's played by a great new star called Joe Ellen Pellman. Remember her name? She's in Indiana and they're outraged and she's been banned from going to her high school prom with her girlfriend. So the big gay New York Broadway liberals go to Indiana to save the dance, basically, to find a cause celeb. Uh, Meryl, Nicole and James are not on Broadway anymore and Emmys are no longer currency in Indiana. It's worse than the bus. Oh. Hello? Oh. Dickinson, four rooms I called yesterday? Four rooms of varying size to reflect the hierarchy of the company, right? <laughs> Where is my suite? We don't have a suite. Now, do you have a suite? Uh. No, we don't have any suites. All the rooms are the same. Oh, surely you know who I am. At the very least, I would like a room next to the spa. Uh, there's no spa. Angie, what is this place? We're all gonna get stabbed and stuffed. You know that, right? Orbitz gave it three stars. Do you have any cabins? So there's a clip, but that's dialogue, but most of all it's songs, songs, songs and dances and dances and lessons and acceptance and songs about acceptance all the way. And, you know, very sweet and witty it all is, I must say. Each character gets a big number. It's all very slickly done. The tunes are decent, including the big hit from it. I just want to dance with you. I mean, what can I say? I sat there with a big grin on my face. It's like watching and eating a whole tin of Quality Street, and I doubt there's a bigger treat or a camper one in store for anyone this Christmas unless they hate James Corden, which a lot of people do, especially when he's doing camp gay stuff, and I can understand it, but I thought he got away with it. And that's it. Thanks to my festive guests, Catherine Jenkins and Julian Temple. Oh, and don't forget the competition to win last Christmas from Universal Pictures Home Entertainment. What did George and Andrew put down their shorts when they were wham during their concerts? Email me, saggle at jasonsolomons.com. And as we warm the wine, I should probably play some George, but I'm not going to. So let's go out with more Bob Fosse-inspired campery from Nicole Kidman and the real star of the prom, Joe Ellen Hellman, finding together what we all need at this sparkly time of a very unglittery year. Our Zaz. I just don't think I can do it. The thought of getting up in front of all of those people. Look at my hands, they're shaking. If your hands are shaking, just turn them into jazz doesn't that feel better? No. Try this. This is awkward. <laughs> 
understand the concept of Zazz. The Zazz is not the moves. The Zazz comes from within. Do the moves and give it some zen.